on this week's episode of 88 Problems in Sports Day 1, presented by the TheOhioSportsBlog.com. Charles and I break down the Buckeyes' victory over the Maryland Terrapins in Maryland. We also talk some Browns news that came out today. And, of course, it's we have the list. All that on a jam-packed episode today. So, let's go. Any Problems in Sports Day 1 is proud to announce our partnership with At Thrive Fantasy. And Thrive Fantasy is your daily fantasy sports prop bet app. Download it now for iOS and Android. Go to our Twitter page at 88PromsSAO and pin to the top of our page is a link. Get $10 for free when you sign up uh, for with Thrive Fantasy. Play your prop bets. They are going fast. It's a great partnership. Go to our, our Twitter page at 88PromsSAO. Go to the link. Get your $10. Get a bet on some prop bets. And let's win some money. 88 Problems of Sports A1 Podcast is brought to you by NCSD Apparel. They can be found on Twitter at NCSD underscore apparel. They were established this year in 2018. They make t-shirts from the 330. Represent Northeast Ohio everywhere you go with shirts from NC Sports Design. You can shop now at ncsportsdesign.com. They have a promo code NCSD new at checkout. Get 20% off your purchase for any new followers. That's NCSD new at checkout to get 20% off your purchase if you're a new follower. They have a great new shirt. Go to their Twitter site right now. They have a shirt. They have a Muni Lot shirt. I'm ordering this thing, getting 20% off right when we're done by entering the code N-C-S-D-N-E-W at checkout. All right, Charles, uh, Brownie's off this weekend, so uh, not much news out of there, but the Buckeyes had a scare yesterday going to Maryland in a Big Ten battle in Maryland. You were at the game. Uh, What were your uh, observations from the actual game? Um, so, you know, um, but I'll start with the bad, you know, it's the, this defense is completely inconsistent. You know, I thought they had made strides, um, the last couple, or at least the last game. And, you know, I thought I saw some things that I liked even in the Nebraska win. Um, but, uh, the same things just continue to haunt this defense, um, Greg Schiano continues to play his linebackers close up to the line. Um, they get caught um, running to the opposite side of run plays. Um, so then the run, the running back gets out to the edges and they don't seal the edges well. Um, so, you know, there, there's just, you know, there's no sugar code in it. They sucked yesterday. The defense absolutely sucked yesterday. However, the offense was magnificent yesterday. Um, I saw, I saw what I saw in Dwayne Haskins is what I've been waiting to see the entire season. Um, I saw the eye of the tiger. I saw a leader out there on the field. I was literally, Charlie, I was at the 45 yard line, three row, third row up on the lower level. So I was literally, I was literally right there on the sideline. So I could see the players faces and everything. And 
when Dwayne Haskins scored that, uh, that, that rushing touchdown in overtime, the look in his face just said it all. That, that, that is a guy who is, he is leading this team. He led this offense this entire game. Um, he set the school record for the most passing yards in, the se- in a season and the most passing touchdowns in a season. Uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins, you know, he also showed that he can run the ball. Um, I believe I said it a couple times in the last pod that I believe that he was just afraid to run and he showed no fear of running, you know, and, you know, afterwards I've seen people on Twitter react and they're saying, Oh, I don't want Dwayne Haskins running. No, I want Dwayne Haskins running because look what it did for our offense. JK Dobbins ran for 200 yards, 200 yards. And you know what? It opened up our pass game. There were so many big plays. I mean, the receivers made up, made so many big plays. Terry McLaurin was one of the best players in this game. Johnny Dixon was insane in this game. They both went for over 100 yards and had five-plus receptions. So offense was magnificent. Defense, not so much. Yeah, their um, offense, Haskins went over 400 yards for the second or third time this year. Um, Dobbins is, like you said, 37 carries, 203 yards. Um, McLaurin over 100 yards catch uh, receiving. So offense was on on point yesterday. The problem was, like you said, their defense uh, just couldn't stop anybody. McFarland had 298 yards on 21 carries, 14.2 yard average. I mean, he took 181 yards. So they have trouble stopping the run um, against his Maryland team, which led to the 52-51 score. Um, I mean, offensively, you couldn't ask for much more. Uh, McLaurin, Dixon, like you said. Luke Farrell, uh, Victor had two catches for 20, uh, averaging 20 and a half yards a catch uh, with a touchdown. You know, Paris Campbell had four catches. So, you know, he's spreading it around. Uh, they did turn the ball over a couple times, one for a pick six. Um, but the, the offense was on point. Thank goodness, because giving up 51 points to this Maryland team, who's five and six now and three and five in the conference, is uh, got to be a very alarming, alarming stat for the Ohio State defense. It is sort of alarming. They do have an explosive offense. So, you know, I'm not going to say that, you know, giving up 51 points um, is, you know, absolutely unacceptable. But, you know, what it kind of is when you look at um, the record of the team, you know, um, just, just forget the fact that Maryland has an explosive offense and they have explosive players like McFarland who got to the edges where the defense didn't seal off the edges. You know, when you're facing a five and five team, you should not give up 51 points. If you are a top 10 playoff team, you just shouldn't do that. And that's exactly what they did. And what happened was is the Buckeyes got bailed out at the end. We escaped that game. I was happy that they won, but we escaped that game when Maryland went for two. Um, and then I saw an interesting stat at, or an interesting um, tweet afterwards. Apparently, um, uh, Maryland had, I think, either an illegal man on the field or something like that. So even if the two-point convert, it didn't end up mattering, but the refs still missed that. And this this game, let me tell you, it was horribly ref. There were some bad calls. Uh, there were some, you know, there was there seemed like a lot of calls that were not going the Buckeyes' way early. And then, you know what? They started to, the refs started to make up for it um, late in the first half and early in, and in late in the second half. So, you know, this game was horribly rest. And to come out on top, you know, after what we went through in this game is just amazing. And what players was absolute fire. They have the fire 
Um, you know, this offense can compete with anybody. Um, it's the defense that I worry about. Yeah, their, their defense, it, it is young, but at this stage in the game, 11 games into the season, the young, young um, excuse is done. You can't be young anymore 11 games into the season. But they, like you said, the Buckeyes just uh, escaped. They survived in advance. Um, I mean, when if they, you know, they're still 10 and 1, they still have a shot at everything that's in front of them because they have a big game coming this weekend against Michigan. They have, then if they survive that one, they have the Big Ten Championship. And then who knows where the chips may fall. Probably the way it's looking now, the committee's setting them up where it's probably going to be the Rose Bowl. I don't know if there's enough in front of them without a bunch of help that they can get into the playoff. But uh, who knows? They can sneak into the playoff and, uh, get there, or they're going to the Rose Bowl against probably a Washington or maybe a Washington State if they don't get in. So Buckeyes still have a lot of stuff in front of them uh, because they survived and advanced this game. Yeah, they they need a lot of help at this point. Um, they did get some help in the way of West Virginia losing to Oklahoma State. That's one domino that fell. Now we need West Virginia to beat Oklahoma next week because that will eliminate basically them. You can't put a two-loss Big 12 champion in over a one-loss Big 10 champion, no matter how bad defensively they've been. And honestly, Oklahoma's been actually worse defensively than the Buckeyes have. I mean, they seem to do that every year, unlike the Buckeyes, where this is uh, uh, really strange to see them playing so bad defensively. Um, And I think it goes back to coaching. You know, this is a scheme thing and the way that they position their players. Um, You know, like like I've said numerous times they play their linebackers close to the line um they run the opposite a lot of the times they're so poorly coached that they're running the opposite direction of of the way the play is going so they're often out of position um and that's why McFarland could get to the edge so easily and make the plays that he did you know and that's an indictment on Bill Davis too um you know uh, I think also we really miss um Kerry Combs because Tabor Johnson right now is just not getting a job done job done as the cornerback coach you know the cornerbacks just seem to re- be regressing you know Arnett I will Arnett ha- has made some boneheaded plays last year but he wasn't the unworldly bad like he has been this year Kendall Sheffield was um our our number two cornerback after Den- he was the he was the lockdown corner after Denzel Ward last year and even he's regressed and you know part of that is also back to the scheme where they teach the defensive backs to play to the receiver and not to the ball. So their back is often against where the ball is coming. So they're going to get called flagged for pass interference penalties. And that happened a lot in this game, you know, but I had so much fun at this game. The atmosphere was electric, you know, and it was, it was split 50. The crowd was split 50, 50. Obviously the home side was chock full of Maryland fans, but the road side, Oh, it was all Buckeyes, baby. Yeah, it's, that was a, a great game. We had 103 points scored, a lot of big plays uh, offensively, and then ended up with the Buckeyes hanging on in overtime to get the win. So you went home a happy fan. Um, let's move on to the college football playoff. There's a lot of scenarios here that could play out. It looks like, you know, you have the Iron Bowl with Alabama coming up. I mean, it's rivalry weekend. It's Clemson, Georgia, or Clemson, um, South Carolina this week. That probably won't be much of a test as South Carolina's down this week. Notre Dame goes west to uh, USC, Michigan, Ohio State, obviously, then Georgia, Georgia Tech, um, and then, like you said, Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Washington, Washington State. Those are some big-time games in the college football playoff top ten that could have a lot of moving and shaking as we head into the conference championship games. 
Yeah, right now, um, I don't see any of Alabama, Clemson, or Notre Dame losing. Um, if there was any game that I saw Notre Dame losing, it would have been the Syracuse game. But I, even that game, I wasn't confident. I was pretty confident that Notre Dame would come out on, on top in that game um, just because they have more athletes, um, you know. Um, so that's, that's your first three teams in the playoff. Then it's going to come down to that fourth spot. Who's going to be in that fourth spot, you know, um, if Georgia happens to win the SEC, which, you know, they very well can because they took Alabama to the limit last year in the national title game. If it wasn't for Tua Tagovailoa, you know, we'd probably be talking about Georgia as the defending national champions, you know. Um, but, you know, I think that'll put two SEC teams in there um, if that happens. So what we need is Alabama to win out. Uh, you know, Washington State, I think they have to lose to Washington because even if um, Ohio State beats um, TTUN, I'm not saying their name this week because this is rivalry week, so I would not say their name this week. Um, but even if they do beat them, you know, um, and Washington State beats uh, Washington and then wins the back 12, back 12, if I was a playoff committee, I'd be putting Washington State in as that fourth team. Um, just because Ohio State has not earned it, and Washington State has played better, um, more consistently in offense, and even better defensively than Ohio State, which is strange to say um, when you look at uh, where the programs uh, come from. Yeah, you're talking that, the guy out of Washington State, Mike Leach. I think it'd be it'd be a national treasure to have him being interviewed basically daily up until the uh, college football playoff game, especially if he has to play Nick Saban. What a contrast! of two different personalities between Mike Leach and Nick Saban. But if you look at Washington State's offensive output, I mean, they put 56 against Oregon State, 34 against Oregon, you know, 41 at Stanford, 19 against California was the aberration. But then they put 31 up against uh, Colorado and then 69 on Saturday against Arizona. I mean, they're scoring boatloads of points, and their defense isn't half bad. They go up seven to Colorado and 28 to Arizona. When you score 70, you're going to give up 28. So, I mean, that Washington State football team is sneakily – I think they're sneaky good, and I think they're good enough where people aren't paying attention because their games are on at 1030 at night on a Saturday, and most of us on the East Coast have gone to – either gone to bed or about to go to bed, so – or watch football all day, so we're done watching for the night. But um, that Washington State team can put up some points. Whenever you can put up some points, you always got a chance. Exactly. Um, they have a Heisman um, candidate at quarterback in Gardner Minshew. Um, you know, the dude's got probably the best mustache in college football. I don't know if you've seen it, but his mustache is amazing. Um, you know, um, and they, they had, like you said, Mike Leach runs an amazing offense. You know, they put up points, you know, and they put up points, like you said, against teams that are not easy to put up points against. Um, you know, um, if they went out and Oklahoma loses to WVU, it's definitely them in. But let's say, for instance, they went out, Ohio State wins out, and Oklahoma wins out. I think Oklahoma is actually going to be the team that gets in just because they're ranked higher than both Washington State and Ohio State right now. And frankly, they would be more deserving because their only loss would be to a Texas team that competed for the Big 12, that's been competing for the Big 12 title this year. So, you know, there's a lot of variables, and Ohio State needs a lot of help. Um, frankly, I would be satisfied with just with them just beating TTUN, um, winning the Big Ten Conference, which I think will obviously not be that hard considering their opponent is going to be Northwestern, um, who, while they're no slouch, 
They're also um, they're not that big of a program. They don't have as many athletes as Ohio State has. Um, I could see, but you, know, I could see Ohio State just demolishing them in the Big Ten title game. You know, and and I would just be happy with the Rose Bowl bid. You know, because um, right now I just don't think the defense is ready to play in the college football playoff. That would know? be a that would um, be a heck of an offensive showing. Let's say Oklahoma wins out and it gets goes to the four spot. Um, Ohio State wins out to go to the Rose Bowl against Washington State. That game might last for two days because I don't think either team could stop either team. You might be looking at an 80-80 to 80 game at one point. Yeah, um, you could see that game honestly go to overtime um, like the Ohio State-Maryland game um, went to. That was my first overtime football game ever, and let me tell you, I was I thought it was going to go a lot longer than one overtime period. Um that if if it's a matchup between Ohio State and Washington State, that could go like six over time. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, I don't think they'll. It'll be. I mean, the score will be outrageous. I think the over under will probably set it at seventy five for that game because, like, Washington State is scoring a ton of points. Ohio State can score a ton of points. So, I mean, that game that game could be out of this world if it happens. But um, <clears throat> just looking at the Big Twelve standings, Oklahoma Texas is a legitimate could be a legitimate rematch for the Big Twelve title in the Big 12 title game. Because right now, West Virginia and Texas are both sitting at 6-2. and two. If Oklahoma beats West Virginia, that gives them three losses. Then Texas moves to number two, and they'll have to play Oklahoma again for the Big 12 title, in which they've already beaten them one time. So um, that could, that'll be a, that could be interesting to have the Red, Red, Red Rival shootout um, for one more, one more time for the Big 12 title. Yeah, and another team you cannot overlook in the Big 12 title race right now is Iowa State. Um, they needed West Virginia to lose because they hold the tiebreaker in them. So we could very well see an Oklahoma versus Iowa State matchup. And, you know, with the NFL buzz that Matt Campbell is getting, you know, um, that would just be an amazing job by him. Iowa State to the Big 12 title game. And honestly, I think I would love to watch that game because I, um, I think he could beat uh, Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma because he has done it before. He did it last year. He almost did it again this year. Oklahoma pulled away late. Uh, you know that could just be an amazing game to watch if that was. To well, we'd have to have a lot of things happen because Iowa State just got beat again. I don't think Iowa State has a chance because Iowa State got beat by Texas yesterday, and then um, Texas okay. plays Kansas in the last game, so they have to. I mean, I don't, yeah. So Texas automatically holds the tiebreaker over Iowa State. Um, for that to happen, okay. but I missed that. Um, so yeah, we're probably looking at a Texas Oklahoma Big Twelve title game. Which anything can happen in that game because that's another huge rivalry game. Um, but then the other argument in the college football playoff, which happened last year and it's starting to gain some buzz again this year, is the UCF Knights. And I think I tweeted out today that I would like to see you put them in. If we have a if we have if Ohio State beats Michigan and the four spot is wide open, let's say. Put UCF in. Please put them in. Let them go and play Alabama in Texas and get beat by 400 points so we can end this discussion about a group of five team can compete with these guys. It's a whole different ballgame up there. And, you know, please let that happen so this discussion can be over and done for all for good. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think you and I hate UCF as much as uh, Joel Klatt hates UCF at this point. Um, you know, they haven't played anybody. The first person they played last night, yeah, they played Cincinnati, but 
and they did win, but that's the only person they played this year. Um, we need to end this discussion now. Um, if it's not Ohio State, Oklahoma, or Washington State um, in the playoffs, you know, please, I'm almost, I'm almost begging right now for them to put UCF in. So, because like you said, I want to see them get slaughtered and get proven why they should not be in the playoffs. You know, when you don't play anybody, you don't belong in the playoffs, no matter what your record is. If that was true, then PJ Flex Wyoming team would have been in the playoffs a couple of years ago when they went 13 and 0. Yeah, it's. I mean, this argument is every year, and it's well. They, UCF took it to another level last year when they had their own parade for the national champions and all that garbage. I mean, they beat Memphis by one point this year. They beat Navy by 11. Um, I mean, come on. I mean, like, what would Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State? Um, Oklahoma do to some of these teams. Like, these are their non-conference teams that they play, um, you know, that they, they play and they pay them a million dollars to come play them at home. That's who they're playing every week. So it's not even a game. I mean, I think UCF could score, probably score a couple of touchdowns for a while. And then in the second half, whoever they're playing would pull away and beat them by 30 or 40 points. Um, it's just what's, I mean, it's just yeah. what, what would happen. It's just they're not. You know, they did beat Pittsburgh, which Pittsburgh's going to end up being the ACC Coastal champion and go and play Clemson in the title game and get beat by 100. But, I mean, that's their one signature win is being an unranked Pittsburgh team. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Another thing is about this UCF team, their quarterback is five foot eleven and 185 pounds. Now, size doesn't matter that much in, in the quarterback age, but let's go back to his weight because that, that's the important thing I want to emphasize here. He's 185 pounds. You put him up against those NFL linemen that Alabama constantly turns out, there's a good chance he's probably going to get knocked out of that game. Um, and then there goes your best player right there who, who, who's, you know, he's, he's the engine that drives that offense. So, you know, let's, let's just stop this talk that uh, UCF is a playoff team because let's just face it, the team that they beat last year in the, in the bowl game Auburn, they're basically the same team that they are this year, and they're worse this year than they were last year. I mean, Auburn got lucky to be in the position that they were last year, um, and, you know, look at them this year. So, you you know, you can just count that win. That parade, don't don't even get me started on that parade. That was was almost as ridiculous as the 0-16 parade that the Browns fans threw. Yes, it was terrible. It was terrible. So, committee, if you're listening to us, we are advocating for – you to put UCF in that four spot and let them go play Alabama and Dallas and let's then they can go limp home to Orlando. But so right now we're sitting in college football playoff. We have Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan at number four and a whole slew of games this weekend coming up that will play a big part in the uh, college football playoff scene. Now turning our thoughts to Berea and the Browns, we had a little Browns news this morning. Apparently, it came out that the Browns would consider interviewing Condoleezza Rice, former Secretary of State, for the um, Browns head coaching head coaching uh, vacancy. I'm not sure what to make of this news. Um, I know she's a huge football fan, which, I mean, who isn't? I'm not getting an interview for the Browns job, but I'm a huge football fan. But I don't know what qualifies her for this. There probably is a position in the organization she is qualified for. But for her to get interviewed for the Browns head coaching job is, I think, I don't even know who started this rumor, but I think it's, I mean, it's a stupid joke if someone started this rumor because I don't think, she's not qualified, number one. 
And number two, um, they need to find – she is qualified for a job in the organization. There's no doubt about it. But she's not qualified to be the head football coach. Yeah, you, you know what? Um, it was Adam Schefter who reported it, which, you know, I think uh, Schefter was a little high this morning because he also reported that Jalen Ramsey – uh, the Jaguars were looking to trade Jalen Ramsey, and that turns out the Jaguars came out and said that they were not absolutely not trading, looking to trade Jalen Ramsey. Um, you know, but back to the Condoleezza Rice thing, that that is absolutely absurd, and it has nothing to do with her gender. It's absolutely absurd because, like you said, she's a fan. If we're looking to hire fans, they might as well hire you and I to be their head, be their head coach and offensive coordinator because you know what. That, that's basically what you're doing. You're hiring a longtime fan to be your head coach if you interview her. And that, that, that this is, she's not qualified for the position. You know, if you're going to hire a woman, you know, at least hire somebody who's been in the game, who is coaching in the game. You know, interviewing her does nothing for any other women who would like to get into the NFL coaching game. It does nothing for them. She doesn't have the qualifications to be a head coach. Like you said, she has the qualifications to maybe hold a position um, in the Browns organization, but not as a head coach. No, I, I mean, you know, she's, very, she's obviously a very smart woman. She was in the, she was secretary of state for, in the Bush administration. Um, she's been a professor at Stanford. She's got all kinds of degrees, whatever. So there probably is a position in the organization. She's a fantastic leader. Um, there's a, or, a position for her in the organization at some level, but it's not the head coach. I mean, there's guys um, and girls who are grinding. I mean, you think of Jen Walter, the girl who um, was with the Cardinals for a couple of years, and now is doing all kind of public speaking, whatever. But there's people that have been grinding there, you know, for 10, 20 years at this job that, you know, deserve a shot at being a Browns head coach rather than giving it to Condoleezza Rice, who probably, I mean, yeah, okay, she's a, She's a big football. She's a Browns fan, whatever. That's, I mean, we're not interviewing big dogs from the dog pound. So why should she get her interview? Other, I mean, she has no qualifications um, to be the head coach. And like I said, there's guys grinding every day to be the head coach. And, you know, they deserve a shot at this and are qualified for this rather than Condoleezza Rice. Yeah, I think it would be a huge mistake if we hired Condoleezza Rice. Um, I know John Dorsey said, that one of the things that he was looking for in the next head coach was a leader of men. That was probably the main quality. And I think that, um, you know, that's where um, maybe Condoleezza Rice has um, some qualification because she is, like you said, she is a strong leader. She's incredibly intelligent. I am not, she is is one of the smartest people out there. Like you said, she went to Stanford. She had multiple, she's a professor at Stanford. She has multiple degrees. She was secretary of state. She, I think she, she's still on the college football playoff committee. I'm not sure if she is or not. Um, you know, so in that, she's uniquely qualified for a position in the organization just based off of the fact of her intelligence um, and leadership qualities. But I don't think that is the only thing that you need as an NFL head coach. You need to have some football acumen when you're an NFL head coach. And I think that's what the Browns need to focus on at this point, you know, um, yeah, Condoleezza Rice is a, maybe to some people, not to me, a fun and interesting candidate, but, you know, it's, it's just not a plausible candidate at this point. Yeah, this is one, um, this is one we have to get right. I mean, this is a huge, um, 
higher for the Dorsey and the Haslam's. We have to get this right. We're sitting in the spot right now where we are, you know, we're we're looking to make gains up the ladder to, you know, to be a playoff team, to be a Super Bowl contender. And I think, I mean, this is – I don't know what where he heard this, but, I mean, they came out with a um, statement right after that said, you know, you know, basically talk, bragging about her. And she is a fantastic human being, but she's not ready to – she's not qualified to be our head football coach, which is um, – I mean, which is which is right. I mean, but like I said, if we have a job, like a president or something in the organization where her leadership capabilities and what she can do would fit that, I'm all for it. Give her that job because she is extremely smart, extremely hardworking. I mean, she works from the bottom up. Like, I mean, so give her that position. But as far as head coach, let's get this hire right and let's give it to somebody who's earned it. Exactly. Um, you know, this is a hire that we can't afford to miss on um, because we finally have a GM and a front office that can put the right players on the team. They've already done their job and put um, a lot of players on this roster and made this roster a very uh, roster that can win. Um, so, you know, um, the right head coach can take this team over the top. And with a young quarterback like Baker, Baker Mayfield, at, um, you can't afford to um, miss on this hire. Um, you know, it's it's just not an option at this point. You know, we saw what happened when the Rams hired Sean McVay, who may have not been um, one of the most um, explosive um, offensive coordinators out there. You know, the Redskins didn't put up a ton of points, but he was a smart football coach who studied under guys like John and Jay Gruden, who are students of the game and have been in the game for years. So, you know, I think a guy like that, you know, it, it, it's hard to come by those guys. Um, and me saying that, you know, we're looking for the Sean McVay. I'm not saying that we need to find the next Sean McVay. I'm just saying we need to get the higher right. For sure. And Condoleezza Rice was on the uh, playoff committee from 14 to 16. So she's on there for three years. And, um, you know, just move on from this because I think it's a it's a joke. It's a rumor that was started. And maybe she's looking at a position in the front office, but definitely not head coach. And now, Charles, our favorite segment of the week, yours and mine. It is the list. Um, I got three guys. I'm sure you have three guys. You were lighting me up yesterday. Tell me about your list. So I'm going to let you go first and give me your first guy on the list. All right. So I got a couple repeat offenders this week, um, but I'm going to start with the college rest. They're on the list this week just because, uh, you know, I went into this earlier that, that, that Maryland-Ohio State game was one of the most poorly officiated games I've ever seen in my life. Um, you know, I've seen some poorly officiated games on TV, but to actually be at the game and to see some of the poorly officiated, some of the non-calls or some of the calls or, you know, some of the, the challenges and whatnot or the reviews that went ways that they shouldn't have went way, when I could see it clearly from my feet what happened, you know, it's just amazing how poor the refing has been. So college football refs, you just made the list. Well, I'm going to jump. I'm going to piggyback off yours. You have the college refs. I have the NFL referees. And basically, not just the referees, because I think the referees are put in a bad position, but the entire uh, competition committee of the NFL. The, I was watching Pittsburgh and Jacksonville because our beloved Brownies weren't on this week. So I was checking out the competition, watching the uh, Steelers and Jacksonville. Jacksonville slacked. Calais Campbell sacked, or didn't sack him. He hit him after the throw. Jacksonville picks it off down the field. He hits him. I mean, clean tackle. His helmet was in his chest. Didn't leave the head. He just tackled, and they both fell to the ground. Flag came out. 
I mean, I'm speechless. And then they got whoever they have on CBS. Is it? Uh, I think it's Dean Blandino or Steratore or one of the older uh, referees. And he said he put the full weight of himself on top of him. Well, I don't know how they expected him to make that hit and not put his full weight on top of him because that's physically impossible, first off. And if you're going to continue to make that call, then we can never hit the quarterback again. You might as well take all pads off of him and just have a flag and we can grab it um, before he throws it or after he throws it, and then they can make the determination whether he's sacked or not because that's 100% impossible to do when you tackle a guy and you're tackling him and he falls over, and it's 100% impossible, physically impossible, not to land on top of him after you tackle him. So competition committee, NFL refs, you guys are on my list. Yeah, you know what? I completely agree with you. The NFL refing has been has been atrocious this year, um, you know, and the rule change, I'm calling it the Aaron Rodgers rule because let's just face it, this rule was made because of Aaron Rodgers last year. And I agree we, we don't want to see games where star quarterbacks go out because we want to see the star quarterback play. But this has been one of the worst rule changes um, I've ever seen. It's worse than the catch rule was last year because now, now, you're, now you're having to change NFL players. You're, having to teach them, you're already having to teach them different ways to tackle. Now you're having to teach them different ways to stack. And, you know, there's just no clear-cut um, way of where this is going. Um, NFL refs, it feels like we got the replacement refs again. Um, NFL refs, you're on the list. Um, so for my second person, second person or persons on the list is, again, it's repeat offenders. And it's going to be Greg Schiano and Bill Davis. Ohio State's defensive coordinator and linebacker coach. You know, these guys continually to scheme poorly. They continue to put our linebackers in bad positions. Our linebacker position has been one of the most poorly coached positions since Fickle took the head coaching job at Cincinnati. You know, um, these guys are both friends of Urban Meyer. So that's another thing, you know. Um, Urban Meyer said in the past he doesn't hire friends, and then he broke that trend when he hired these two. And it's just not working out. And if if one or both of these guys are not gone at the end of the season, I think I'm going to flip a fuse. I was Charlie. I was literally ready to jump the stand, jump out of the stands and charge the field to Urban Meyer and say, "What the hell are you doing?" Because these guys have absolutely they scheme horribly. They don't make adjustments as noticed by put, giving up 51 points to Maryland. So, Greg Schiano, Bill Davis, you just made the list. I know you sent me a couple of tweets yesterday, and I was like. I thought I was going to have to drive to Maryland to bail you out of jail there. But, um, so, but everything worked out good yesterday except for they gave it 51 points. But uh, my second guy on the list is, again, I'm going to piggyback off yours, is Urban Meyer himself. Um, I don't know. It started at the beginning of the season with the Zach Smith situation, and then it seems to have carried on. You're getting reports of him and Gene Smith have um, friction, then you're getting reports of another Zach Smith situation at practice. Turned out not true, but and he looks like his body language yesterday on the sideline looked like a man defeated. Um, it just, if you remember his exit from Florida, it's just, it just seems more and more like his exit is coming right now from the Buckeyes because there's the parallels between their exit from Florida and the parallel to his exit, I believe, is going to be this year. Uh, for Meyer, is just, I mean, they're exactly the same. The, the playbook's exactly the same. What's happening? I mean, his body language yesterday was absolutely horrible for a guy who's supposed to be a leader of an entire team. And um, so, I mean, if he's done, he's done. But, I mean, you got to act like you, you've been there before. And this guy's – I mean, this guy's the top two coach in the country. 
I mean, if he retired or resigned from Ohio State tomorrow, he'd have 47 offers the next the next day um, to coach their team. So, I mean, the guy's a fantastic football coach. He's a fantastic recruiter. I don't know how good a football, football coach he is, but he's a fantastic recruiter. Um, so, but he needs to act. I mean, his body language either he needs to resign after the Michigan game or f- fix whatever is going on because until then, Urban Meyer, you're on my list. Yeah, you know what? I hope um, he doesn't resign um, just because, like you said, he is one of the greatest coaches of all time. I hope he sees what is going on with his defense and makes the adjustments needed. Um, you know, um, the last time he needed to revamp his coaching staff, we got Chris Ash. So maybe we could look at a scenario where maybe um, Rutgers hires Greg Schiano to be their head coach again and and we get Chris Ash back. Because, you know, at this point, you know um, – a change needs to be made. You're right. Um, you know, and if Urban Meyer can't make that change, you know, then he shouldn't be the head coach, you know. Um, you know, and I saw it on the sideline. I saw it personally on the sideline yesterday. There was a couple of times where he saw him holding his head. You know, that fist that's in his brain, you know, it's definitely bothering him. Um, you know, he, need, he needs to make changes, or if he doesn't feel like he can coach, you know, he's, he's got to go. Um, you know, I don't want to see that because, like I said, he's one of the all-time greats. He's been one of my favorite coaches I've seen Ohio State have um, ever. Um, so, you know, um, I hope that's not the case. Um, let's hope Urban Meyer comes off your list because I'd like to see him get this right and win another national title at Ohio State. But that being said, we'll go to the third and final person on my list. I it, At this point, you know, with the way the defensive backs are playing – they're regressing, you know, it seems like now more than ever, we miss Kerry Combs, um, who is um, coaching for the Titans now. Um, so, you know, with that, let's, let's, Tabor Johnson, you know, you're, you're, you are not doing your job as defensive back coach. Yeah, I get it. The scheme is poor and your defensive backs are taught to play the wide receiver and not the ball. Um, so they're back to them. But, you know, they shouldn't be getting penalized this much, even if that is so. You know, um, they should be taught to turn their heads um, at the right time. They're not being taught. And, and to see guys regress, like Damon Arnett has been probably one of the most criticized guys in that defensive backfield. Um, he, he's had, he had his moments last year, but he, was, he has been otherworldly bad this year. And the same with Kendall Sheffield. You know, he was um, – I thought he was going to be the next – lockdown corner after Denzel Ward, you know, the ne- our next first-round pick at cornerback. Um, but he's regressed so bad this year, you know, just Taver Johnson is not getting the job done. Um, you know, so Taver Johnson, you just made the list. And my last um, list, list person or team or people, I guess, are UCF and these fans. We touched on it earlier about UCF. They deserve, they had to parade last year, said they're, Going to the national, they won the national title because they're the only undefeated team. Blah blah blah, whatever. They had to parade, and their coach had to fly back from the job he just took the, to leave UCF to try to actually win a national title. But that's beside the point. But UCF and their fan base—I mean, this is ridiculous. Like, we've already touched on it. Please put them in the playoff. Please let Alabama score 700 points against them, and then uh, then let's have this conversation be done. But UCF. I'm tired of listening to it. I'm tired of hearing it. Schedule someone. If you think you're that good, go schedule someone. Anyone will play you. Go schedule someone non-conference and play them instead of playing South Carolina State and uh, Mercer, whoever you played this year. Go schedule somebody. And until you do, I don't want to hear it. 
you're on the list. Yeah, you know what, UCF fans, you know, you heard it here first. Charlie and I hate UCF. Please, college football kit playoff committee, we are begging you, please put them in so we can watch them get mollywopped all over the floor. Um, at the, at, until that happens, you know, UCF fans, we don't want to hear it. So you just made the list. And that does that does that's three for me, three for Charles. That's our list. Um, so the, my list is Urban Meyer, the NFL refs, and UCF. Charles was the NFL refs, or the college refs. Greg Schiano, Bill Davis, repeat offenders, and Tabor Johnson, the new addition to the to the list. So there you have it. Um, we'll be back with you on Friday. Uh, we're not taking a holiday week off. Uh, we'll be back. We'll have a good one, a preview of the Buckeyes, Michigan. The big game on Saturday, we'll have a preview on Friday for you. The Brownies are back in action on Friday, or Sunday, sorry. The Brownies are in action on Sunday. They're back, thank goodness. It was a lonely Saturday, or Sunday without them. Uh, we'll have new college playoff rankings, and hopefully uh, we'll, ha- we'll be previewing two big victories for the Northeast Ohio this weekend. But we'll see you again on Friday.